Hello everyone, welcome to Math for Knitters, this is Lara, and this is episode 35, and um, this week I'm going to probably ramble a bit. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I, I took that six-month break in the podcast, um, besides the fact that my life took an unexpected but very happy turn, and I was suddenly much busier of an evening than I had been before, just... Uh, take that as a hint, <laughs> um, is because I had, when I started the show, I made a list of subjects, topics, things like that. And I finished most of them. And the rest, I, in fact, I still have a list. The rest, I kind of decided I'd either handled well enough already, or I just didn't feel like doing anymore. Like I was going to do a whole show about knitted skirts, um, but I've never knitted a skirt, and I don't like giving out untested theories <laughs> to my poor, gentle listeners. So, I um, yeah, part of it is I'm out of like strict math for knitters. I'm out of those kinds of things, and so, at least in my opinion. So, if you have a question or a problem, even if I've talked about it before, drop me a note on Ravelry or drop me a note on the show's website, math4knitters, that's the number four, dot blogspot.com, and I'll answer it. I'll do it. I'll do my best. And so, uh, what I'm going to do from now on when I don't have a pressing question from a listener is talk about what I'm knitting and what it's teaching me right now. I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, my knitting really informs my life and sometimes vice versa. Uh, for instance, last year at this time, I made my dragon, uh, dragon tooth sweater, a dragon skin sweater, and it made me feel much safer and accomplished because it came out exactly the way I wanted it to. Oh, and actually that brings me to today's topic. I just started a new sweater. It's made of a gold yarn from a, a company that I bought the yarn at the Maryland Sheep and Wool Fair last May, which unfortunately I'm not going this year, but maybe next year, who knows. And I will put a link to that company on the show notes. And they're really, they're great little tiny, uh, well, I don't know how tiny they are, but they're a little company in Texas. And I just love the yarn. It's a silk uh, wool, and I believe rayon blend it's very shiny and it's literally just a gold color and i've been watching the tutors on um showtime i got showtime so i could watch the l word although of course if you're an l word fan you know that it's on break now for another year and that this coming season will be the last one which is really sad but i don't know anyway <laughs> this isn't a, a show about showtime network but Anyway, I'm watching the Tudors uh, to kind of tide me over, and also because I love it. I love that whole story. I love Anne Boleyn. I love Henry VIII as much as I love to hate him. You know, it's a very fascinating time for me. And what's fun for me is even if it's a bad movie or film or show about those characters, at least the costumes are usually really interesting. Um, for instance, I saw the other Boleyn girl, and while it wasn't bad, I, I didn't like some of the ways that it fictionalized. Um, and 
I also felt that the actresses weren't used to their best potential. Um, Scarlett Johansson and, oh, the other actress. Oh, I'm terrible at this. I really should not even start because I can never... Natalie Portman. Ha! I remembered. <laughs> um, they're really good actresses, and I feel like they really weren't brought to their full range in that film. But whatever. I may have been unduly influenced by a Slate.com r- review of the movie, too. That's possible. Um, anyway, but I did notice in that movie, the costumes were fantastic and usually the lighting's pretty good and pretty much if it's got good costumes and good lighting, I can handle anything. Like what was it? An American haunting, such a boring movie. My friend actually fell asleep in the movie and it's supposed to be a horror film. It's supposed to be scary. (laughs) And I turned around and she was dozed off, (laughs) but I was looking at the knitting. I was looking at the shawls. Um, there was a beautiful bed jacket. One of the little, the girl, not the daughter, but the friend. Oh, it was gorgeous. I just loved it. It was all lace. It was so pretty. Or even in really good movies like um, Sweeney Todd, which I love, I was still occasionally slightly distracted by the by the knitting, which I like to pretend is hand knitted. And I actually, I don't know if that one is or not. Um, I know the Harry Potter knit goods were hand knitted. Um, I imagine if they went to the trouble of making all those pies, they maybe also had the things knitted. But even the, the real lousy characters in that film have fantastic, um, like, l- lace knit cuffs. And oh, I just I love that stuff. Anyway, okay, that was a big digression. Uh, sorry. What on earth was I talking about? Oh, <laughs> watching the Tudors. And I've had this golden yarn in my stash since last May. And I think it's about in a first sweater. But just in case it's not, I'm starting from the top and making the sleeves. And then I'm just going to take it as long as the body will allow. And I've been looking at the the fabrics and the brocades and such. And we're also doing costuming right now for my belly dance troupe's big performance in June. And so we've all been looking at fabric and I've been thinking about these things. I don't sew, so I normally don't look at fabric that much. So... I was looking at it and I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be pretty if I could have kind of a lattice design for this sweater? And I went flipping through Barbara Walker's Second Treasury. It's the red red one if you have a current or a newer paperback version. And I found gorgeous knit lattice. It's, in a, it's a slip stitch pattern. It's a very easy. It's just right twists and left twists. And it's just gorgeous. Um, the only thing is I couldn't make the shoulder... I'm making it from the top down with a set-in sleeve. And the way that works from Barbara Walker's knitting from the top down, I'm I'm a Barbara Walker fan, apparently, when I make these sweaters, is you cast on a temporary cast on, and then you do short rows to shape your shoulder so that you have a slope to the shoulder. And I handled this last year by just making it a, um, a saddle shoulder, a very short saddle to the shoulder, and picking up and making it all very rectangular and allowing the stretch of the knitting to form my shaping for my for my shoulder. But I really wanted to do a, a set-in sleeve. And I did one last year on a plain red sweater for um, belly dancing. Well, I haven't really worn it for that. I just wear it with a, white, with a black tank top and I love it. But it's out of soy silk and so it drapes really well and I really like it. But so I knew I could do it, but I was concerned about the short rows and trying to keep the pattern continuous with the short, with the slip stitches. And I failed. I tried to do that and I just failed miserably. It looks a little like it's disintegrating <laughs> at the top of the sweater. Um, like I picked up, I did do the twists when I could figure out where to do them. 
and where I couldn't figure out where to do them, I just didn't do them. And, and on some rows, I would just twist every other set of stitches to keep the gauge the same, because I knew if I just left it stuck in that stitch, it would screw up my gauge. So um, it was an adventure, and I'm, I'm through with the hardest part I picked up for the sleeves, and I'm starting kind of the more traditional kind of it's almost like a raglan shaping only you don't add stitches at the body you only add them at the sleeves and it's going to be a cardigan so that makes the fit a little easier to deal with I don't have to have it exactly right but um I am a, on one hand I'm a little annoyed like I couldn't get it to work out exactly right on the other hand um I've decided that it's okay it looks okay and fortunately I um Fortunately, I've become the kind of knitter who can let it go if it doesn't look if it doesn't look exactly the way I planned but still looks okay and fits me. I'm just going to go with it. Besides the yarn is so glorious, I really I really don't think I can screw it up too bad. <laughs> um so that's what I'm doing right now and I'm learning about letting go <laughs> and relaxing a little bit. Um and the gauge of this, because it's twisted stitch, the gauge is a little, I'm really having to trust my gauge, my gauge swatch, because when it gets washed, it relaxes a fair amount in the vertical direction for some reason. Um, I don't know why that would be, but it does, and I'm glad that I did a good swatch and washed it. And this is another case where I made two swatches, one in a smaller needle and one in a larger, because the manufacturer gives a very large range of needles on which this yarn can work. And also because I'm like that. So uh, that's what I'm up to. And so far it's going pretty well. I will keep you posted. Um, eventually I will download my photos off my camera and put them up on the website and also on my Ravelry group. And I have pictures of the necklace I made, or one of the necklaces I made, too, um, which I will do as well. So that's that's where I am right now. And I think this week, let me see, I've got my notes. This week, the rerun is episode 26. And I will have a link to that for you. And I think that's all she wrote for today. That's all I have to say today. Um, 35, 26. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. All right, thank you. Have a good uh, next couple of weeks. Oh, so far I have been hitting two weeks pretty regularly. And that's working pretty well for me. Although that might change as we get closer to June. Uh, my life is going to get a little crazy in June, but I'm still going to try to give myself um, these little breaks to podcast. Um, I hope you're enjoying the spring weather. It's finally starting to get warmer here, although now that I've said that, there'll be a blizzard tomorrow. And there are like two dozen robins in my backyard right now. I don't. They're, I think they're eating the berries off the tree I have back there. But oh, they're so cute, and there's so many of them, and they're so fat. I just love, I love fat little birdies. In, this, in the spring, last year, two of them nested on my security light <laughs> on my back porch I had to turn it off because they kept turning it on when they came to feed their babies and that was so cool I mean I this is a, a city it's a small city but I grew up in a larger city and I've never had a bird nest in my house that I knew about it so that was really I'd go out to hang out the laundry and they'd be yelling at me <laughs> 
uh, for getting so near their babies. And for a while, I couldn't figure out why. And then I saw the babies. And then one day I went out to show my friend, Jessica, the babies. And we walked outside and they flew out of the nest at us. <laughs> Scared the dickens out of me, I'll tell you that. But um, but it was fun. And it was, uh, I really hope it happens again. I left the old nest alone up on the security light. So... Maybe they'll use it again. We'll see. Okay, have a good uh, couple of weeks, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Math for Knitters. I'm Laura, and this week I'm going to talk a little bit about the new magnets, yarn substitution, and something I like to call first scarf syndrome. All right. Well, I'm going to click a little bit here, starting with um, the magnets because I haven't looked at it in a few days. <laughs> so I'd also like to apologize for the long break. Um, the upheaval that I mentioned before is mostly done. I'm generally, just to say, I don't want to say too much about it, but generally there's, I've been going through a lot of my uh, life and clearing up a lot of old issues that I really have needed to deal with for a long time, but I kept putting it off and finally I took care of it. So it's a little bit tangled up and it's going to take a while to really um, free myself of everything, but it's on its way. So there's a new magnets out and I don't remember how long it's been out, so I'm a little embarrassed. But basically, the patterns this time are a vest that zips up, a strawberry tea cozy, a little um, kind of a sleeveless sweater is what I would call it, something called a very cropped top hoodie, a smallish shawl, I believe it's designed for a child, yes, it's a small cape for your little devil, which is very cute, um, a kind of beanie hat called a Santa Cruz. Peekaboo mittens, and some socks called Falling in Love. And overall, I like the patterns, and as usual, everything's well written. And let me just check here. A really nice, broad uh, sizing. However, the um, the cropped I'm, the cropped hoodie yeah goes all the way to 50 inches, but it jumps significantly. It goes from 34 to 42 to 50. And I think that's because it's such a chunky yarn that it's difficult to get, you know, very subtle sizing. And of course, it's knit knitted, so it will stretch. But I, I'm not sure. I'd like to see it on somebody who is my size because I, it looks very cute on the models. But I never know when it looks cute on someone who's a size six or eight what it's going to look like on me, and I'm a, I'm a twelve. And Ever since I read Big Girl Knits, I am extremely leery of anything that covers any portion of my torso um, that is a thicker yarn than uh, than worsted, really. So I don't know if anybody out there tries this in a larger size and likes it. I would appreciate hearing about it because it does look very cute. Okay, subject two, uh, yarn substitution. I think I've talked about this before, but just um, just a little bit more information about it. Um, first of all, a great 
um, and I think I have said this before. Uh, let me look it up. Website for finding different weights of yarn and different kinds of yarn is Knitter's Review, and I will link to that in the show notes. And it basically, like if you go to the yarn reviews section, then you can actually look up the yarn by fiber or by gauge. And that's really useful because if you have a pattern for, say, a DK yarn, then you can go and look at what all the different DKs that are reviewed are. And she's very, very thorough. She talks about, you know, the kind of sometimes the history of the yarn, how it knits up, blocking and washing it, and how well it wears. So if you that way you know if you're making, say, a cardigan for a child, you can look for something that's machine wash and that is a hard-wearing yarn as opposed to something that might be too delicate to last for very long. But I, I would like to make one caution about yarn substitution. It isn't quite as easy. Well, first of all, you get your, um, you choose your weight and you make sure that you get the right gauge. And of course you need to do a gauge swatch. And then to determine how many balls or skeins you need to buy, it's fairly simple math. Basically, if you need 10 100 gram or 100 yard skeins and you have to go by length not by weight if you needed 10 of those for the original pattern and that's 10 times 100 is 1000 so you need 1000 so if the yarn you're choosing actually is set up in say 200 yard um, balls then you only need half as many you only need five so you need to pay attention to that and of course I always say to buy a little extra I usually go with 10% extra just to make sure that that I have enough yarn which is also why I occasionally buy enough yarn to make two sweaters with the same ball (laughs) that has happened Uh, the same yarn Um, but also you need to think about the you know the washability and the purpose of the yarn but also you want to look at the original fiber content. For instance, if your pattern calls for a worsted weight wool and you want to make a worsted weight cotton, you might think a little bit about the shape of the garment and how that new yarn is going to behave. Cotton, for instance, is much heavier than wool. It does not have the same memory. And so if you're going for um, a nice you know, shaped cardigan, it may droop if you do it in in cotton as opposed to wool. And same thing goes for synthetics. If it it calls for, I don't know, 100% acrylic, I consider acrylic to wool to be a pretty good conversion because they tend to look kind of, most acrylics are designed to look like wool and they're kind of an emulation of wool. And so I think that's fine. But if you decide that you want to go with a really shiny, smooth yarn, First of all, your gauge is probably going to be different, but also the look is going to be different. Also, color. If you're choosing a variegated yarn and you want to do um, some sort of pattern, you definitely want... I'm not telling you not to do it, but if you're going to do it, you need to do an extra large gauge swatch to see what the pattern will actually look like in your new yarn. Because some yarns will actually hide the pattern. Like, for instance, if you're doing an Aran or cabled knit, you don't want a yarn with a lot of interest of its own, like a really slubby yarn or a furry yarn or you know, a fancy yarn because it won't really show all the work that you've done. Unless, of course, you really like the way that looks, in which case, go for it. So there's my little spiel about yarn substitution. 
Also, this week, a coworker of mine came to me with a problem. She is a beginning knitter, and she is working on her first project, which is a scarf. Now, I did caution her because, as listeners of my show will know, I'm not a big fan of the scarf as the first project. I think that they are too long, and there are too many pitfalls. Um, For instance, as your gauge, as you learn to knit better, your gauge changes. And so one end of the scarf may be dramatically tighter or looser than the other end. Now, she came to me with a problem that I have actually seen a fair amount. Her, she started out with, say, 20 stitches. And now she might have 30. She didn't tell me exactly what the math was, but basically... I think this happens when, when you go to turn the row, you accidentally do a yarn over. And then when you get to the end of that row again, you knit it because the edge stitches always seem a little funny. And so the fact that it's a yarn over isn't obvious to you. And so you unintentionally increase your scarf. Now, there are some reasons you would want to do this at a very small degree. Elizabeth Zimmerman, for instance, talks about how scarves inevitably become wider on the ends, and you can counteract that by making them narrower uh, to start, and then they will stretch out. But usually when a knitter does this unintentionally, they end up with a dramatic change. And she asked me what I would tell her to do, what she should do. And I said, well, you can start over, and she made a face. I said, or you can figure out how wide it was in the beginning, how wide it is now, and how long it took to get that wide. So say it took two inches to get an inch wider. When when you're two inches from the end of your scarf, you need to find, do your math and figure out how to decrease by an inch in two inches. And that's fairly simple. And I will tell you now on a vague example, let me get a piece of paper so I can actually makes sense. Let's see. If you had five stitches to an inch as your gauge and seven rows to an inch and you had uh, two inches to decrease in, I'm writing it down for myself, and and uh, one inch of decrease. So you're going in 14 rows because seven times two is 14. You need to decrease about five five stitches. Now I said about, even though we we all know it is five, because, you know, five times one is five, but I prefer to do an even number so that it will look symmetrical. So I would actually do six. So now we need to decrease six stitches in 14 rows. Now if we decrease once on either end of the scarf, then we actually need to do three pairs of decreases. So three sets of two decreases on each time we decrease on the scarf. So now we have three pairs of decreases we want to do and 14 rows to do them in. And let's do just a little bit of rounding. Let's say we don't want to decrease on the very last row of the scarf because that would be irritating to have to bind off right away. So if we say 14 minus 2 is 12, so then 12 is divisible by 3, and that gives us 4. 
So what we're going to do is after we finish our decreases, we have two more rows and then we'll bind off for the, for the scarf. So we have four um, sets of, de I'm sorry, <laughs> three sets of decreases, four rows apart. And the easiest way um, for me to do that would be to, to actually write out on a, on a piece of paper, one, two, three, four, in one row, and the next row, five, six, seven, eight, next row, nine, 10, 11, 12. And as I work these rows, just cross them off. And when I get to the end of the end of my row in my piece of paper, I know that's the row to decrease on. If you use a row counter, then you're decreasing on the fourth row, the eighth row, and the twelfth row. Pretty simple, but I know sometimes when I read instructions that say decrease every fourth row, I get mixed up because I think, does that mean every multiple of four? Does that mean I decrease one row and then work four more rows? I don't know what it means. And so that's actually why I write it out in that kind of graphic way to, um, to make some sense of it because then you're basically making a little mini chart for yourself. Okay, so I'm sorry for another short show, but I decided that if I waited until I had a long show, I would never podcast again. And I love podcasting. I love talking to you guys. I love your comments. I love your emails. I love everything about Math for Knitters. Um, I don't love it. I do feel a bit out of ideas. So if you have a problem, even if it's a problem that I've talked about before, that you want me to explain again, or explain better, or explain in a different way, please, please, please let me know, and I will do my very best to make it crystal clear. Remember, math is not hard. <laughs> you can do it, and I can help. <laughs>